Hello everybody and welcome to the Indian American Scientists. I'm so glad to have you back here for STEM episode 1. And I'm so grateful that you took this time out of your day to come listen. Today we'll be starting a new series. Uh, the STEM episodes! Um, get to that later. First of all, I'm so 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 sorry that I couldn't upload recently. It's that time of the year when my exams are around the corner and I've been studying really hard for them. Uh, I really 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 do apologize. And unfortunately, I can't even be sure when it comes to my upload schedule over the next few weeks. However, there has been speculation of a break starting after my exams, so hopefully things will become a little more clear then. Uh, uh, speaking of clear things, um, <laughs> you might notice that the audio quality in this episode is a bit better, there's no static in the background and stuff like that. Um, I spent my time learning stuff like noise cancellation and some other good techniques to improve the quality of my episodes. Uh, by the way, the software that I now use is Audiotonic, it's just Audacity, but for Windows. Um, okay, anyways, um, what you might be wondering is why a STEM episode is being featured in this podcast. I understand that you guys came here for a teenager therapy vibe and not a Bill Nye the Science guy vibe. Um, it's simply because uh, this is something I'm really passionate about. As a lot of you may know now, I want to become an aerospace engineer. And my favorite subjects are math and physics. Um, so I'll be talking largely about them. But I'm really fascinated by all STEM, all STEM topics. It's just something that I really enjoy. And I hope that you guys can learn something out of it as well. Also, we hit 100 plays! Yay! <laughs> Thank you so, 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 so much to everyone who listens. I know that in the grand scheme of things, 100 plays isn't much, but to everyone who listens, I seriously couldn't be more grateful. I never expected to reach 100 plays so quickly, and it's because of you that it happened. So thank you. I decided to challenge myself with some research and one extra episode a month for this, so be expecting five episodes a month rather than the... Um, Rather than the four episodes that we that we usually have. Um, okay guys, uh, enough with the wastage of time. Uh, <laughs> let's start the episode. So welcome to STEM episode 1 again. Um, this will be a series and the episodes will be published on a monthly basis. Um, so yeah, let's just get right into it. Uh, this month, we'll be talking about a certain man and his studies in the field of relativity and time dilation. The frizzy-haired, lovable, humorous man who's been my idol for years now. The remarkable, brilliant, Rick Ricard- I mean, I mean Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein. <laughs> um, now we're actually going to be talking about Albert Einstein's idols. You see, Albert Einstein had idols of his own. It's a story about his idols, Sir Isaac Newton and James Clark Maxwell and how he improved on their work. Now, Einstein, being Einstein, um, he'd like he liked to finish up his work early, and then he'd spend the remaining time of his days contemplating the secrets of the cosmos, as he said. Now, it was one of these days, um, in the afternoon, that he wrapped up his work, he, he boarded the train back to his place, and while going away from the clock tower on that train, he thought of something. He thought, what would happen 
if hypothetically the train that I'm on was going at the speed of a light. Hmm. That's interesting now, isn't it? He realized that if he was truly traveling at the speed of light, for him, the hands would stop moving. All the while he knew that black at the clock tower, it still keep ticking on the constant hum of time buzzing through our Germany. He realized that the faster you go through space, the slower you go through, go through time. And through his clock tower experiment, he also learned that time was was relative. You see, Newton said that speed and motion were relative. Let me explain. Say you're in a train with a velocity of 20 meters per second. Uh, say in the westward direction. Now, if you're going in that direction at 20 meters per second, and there's another train that's going right beside you at 40 meters per second in the westward direction, it seems like that train is only going at 20 meters per second. Because relative to you, the difference of the velocities is only 20 meters per second. Whereas relative to someone who is at rest, that train would appear to be going at 40 meters per second. That's how speed and motion are relative, but hold on. The man who did great studies in the field of electromagnetism, James Clark Maxwell, he said that there was a defined speed for light. There was a defined speed for how quickly photons travel through space. And that was a <laughs> remarkable 299,792,458 meters per second. Oh my god, that's very fast, guys. Um. <clears throat> But what Einstein wondered is that if motion and speed were indeed relative, why was the speed of light fixed? So he did a little lightning experiment. He did a lightning thought experiment. Um, and yeah, I'll just call it the lightning experiment. It was a thought experiment. I'm going to call it the lightning experiment. And the lightning experiment goes something like this. I suggest you close your eyes and then you try to visualize what I'm going to say. You're standing on top of a hill station. Um, it's a dark, cloudy night. And you see two huge, bright, white lightning bolts strike down simultaneously. To you, they were simultaneous. But something very interesting happened. As I mentioned, this is a hill station, so say through that hill station, a train was passing. And this train is passing at a speed faster than you've ever known. As fast as light itself. To a passenger aboard that train, things look very, very different. You see, to a passenger aboard that train, it looks like the lightning bolt that was closest to him strikes first. And the lightning bolt that was farther away from him strikes second. It was true. Something was relative. Time was indeed relative. This meant that either Newton was wrong or Maxwell was. Now, Einstein spent a really long time thinking about this. And he came up with a very, very famous equation. Now, as I said, 
he concluded that either Newton was wrong or Maxwell was, but he realized that both of them could kind of coexist with some slight modifications. Now, once again, I have to say, um, as all of you know, because it's literally in the podcast name, I'm a freshman <laughs> in high school, and that being said, my knowledge of physics and mathematics um, is quite limited, obviously, and the mathematics that is used by Einstein or any great mind of our generation today is very, very complex. It's not that you can't understand the fundamental concept, that's what I'm striving to do with these episodes, hopefully you guys will learn something about the concept, but the mathematics and the physics going to prove those concepts is pretty difficult. Um, so, um, a lot of the stuff I won't be able to go too in-depth with, especially the equations that Einstein derived, and that's what we're going into now. We're going to look at the equation that derived something very interesting. Now, for the following equations, um, C is the speed of light, D is the distance traveled by light, and T is the time that it took to travel that distance, or the unit time. Um, and E is equal to energy. And the last measurement is V, which stands for velocity. Now, he thought that 2C is equal to D by T by 2, or 2 times the speed of light is equal to the distance traveled by it in unit time divided by 2, which meant that 2 into the speed of light is equal to 2 into the distance traveled by it in unit time, which means that the speed of light has to be equal to the distance traveled upon in unit time. Um, now, that's the first equation that he derived. The second equation he derived was T0, or unit time 0, would be equal to the unit time 1, multiplied by, the, uh, multiplied by under root 1 minus the velocity of its squared upon the speed of light squared. From these two equations, he derived E is equal to mc squared. Ah, so that's where it comes from, yeah. Um, that is where the famous equation comes from. Energy is equal to the mass of the object multiplied by the squared. Um, this, he called this entire theory special relativity. It's phenomenal to think about what a mind of that generation could do with obviously advanced in science so far now and it's very incredible um i do suggest that if you're listening then you should definitely try catching up on these things i think that you find it very very interesting um but yes anyways um <laughs> he saw that instead of time being fixed a constant tick tock throughout the cosmos he found that quote unquote time is a stubborn illusion he suggested it stretches and contracts based on the velocity of the object that you're looking at. Due to this, he believed time, just like space, deserved its very own dimension. Um, now, he thought that time and space could coexist in a dimension. Let's call it space-time. Now, he thought that the entire universe was made up of this fabric of space-time. And any object would impact the fabric of space-time. In fact, 
he made some pretty interesting hypotheses about gravity according to this. He didn't say that the sun attracts objects like the earth with this mysterious inexplicable force named gravity. He attributed it to the pull, to the stretching of space-time around an object. Let me give you an analogy. Say there's a trampoline, right? And you put a bowling ball in the center of the trampoline. The trampoline stretches and it goes down. Now say you put a marble on, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering a little bit, but um, say you put a marble on the edge of the trampoline. It'll fall down. Now think of the trampoline as the fabric of space and time. Now you take any mass and it distorts space and time itself around it. You have enough mass and you have a deep enough or downwards enough kind of slope for any object to start either rotating around it or just come straight into it. Which means the higher the mass, the more the distortion of space and time, the more gravity it's going to have. For example, a singularity, right? Singularity is pretty much just something that causes a black hole. It has so much mass that it distorts space and time so much that not even light can escape through its gravity. Um, now, he, he saw that because of this, what would happen is that um, like the more distortion of space and time there was, the closer you got to the bottom of the slope, the faster something would accelerate. Let's take the bowling ball analogy again. You rolled a marble down. It might be um, going downhill at, say, 3 meters per second. Then it'll go at 4 meters per second, 5 meters per second, 6. And it'll keep doing that until it actually reaches the bottom, which means that if we compare this to this to space and time itself, it means that an object accelerating towards a mass is it, it accelerates faster near its surface. Now, this provides for something very interesting. If an object that is accelerating towards Earth, say a ball that I threw in the air, is faster near the surface and um, time goes slower near the surface, right? Um, how does time go slower near the surface? We already established earlier that the faster you go through space, the slower you go through time. That means that whatever is near the surface is experiencing time slower than anything above the surface. What I'm trying to say here through that entire complicated, really bad what I'm trying to explain is that time is that time goes slower near the surface, right? So your head is theoretically older than your toes. Something that you've never really stopped to think about, but yes. Passage of time for your toes is a little faster than the passage of time is for your head. Now, different objects, as I said before, distort space and time very differently and thus accelerate objects towards them different rates. For example, me. I'm an underweight 13-year-old, uh, which means that I don't distort time as much. 
this just means that I won't really be accelerating past uh, rate because I just don't distort space and time enough. However, if we take a look at the Earth and distort space and time enough that it fairly well accelerates the moon towards it, and the sun has such a great uh, distortion of space and time that it makes planets revolve around it. If we look at a singularity, a black hole, it has such a huge distortion that it makes light be a black hole. It's a black hole, can't let light escape. There would be theoretically no way to view it. Orbits around it, we can kind of see a ring of light that indicates a black hole. Anyways, I get off topic. Um, Einstein made another experiment based on the principle that different objects distort space-time differently and thus accelerate objects at a different rate. Uh, he called this the photon experiment. Now, compare this to a game of wall bounce. So, uh, if you've ever played the wall bounce game, you know that, you know, there's a ball and it keeps hitting the walls and you have to move the walls accordingly, accordingly, sorry, so that it hits the ball. Now say the ball is just moving horizontally in a straight line. The walls are fixed. And, t and say that this ball is a photon. And a photon is pretty much just a particle that makes up light. Now this photon is traveling horizontally in a straight line in between these two walls. Bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. Now we're going to think of something very violent here. We're going to drop a person from the stratosphere. <laughs> so <laughs> imagine someone is <laughs> dropping from the stratosphere but he's wearing a watch now luckily for us this watch is carrying the photon clock we're going to set up two observers one observer at the stratosphere and one observer that is on a mountain a little higher than the surface of the earth itself so what did they see they see an effect eerily similar to what we would see if a ball was being bounced on a moving train and we were looking from outside. This means that, you know, inside, while the person may be bouncing the ball in a straight vertical line, to us, it looks diagonal or tilted because the train is moving forward. Looks like it's moving back. Now, if the train was moving backward, it, it'll look like it's moving forward. Now, to these two people, this photon clock, these wall bounces, Although it's moving horizontally to the man, it moves triangularly. It moves triangularly to them. Now, if it's moving triangular, it means that... Oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. I forgot to mention the most important part of the photon experiment. Now, um, in the photon experiment, uh, the thing is that every time the photon hits one wall, one second passes. So, if the uh, photon movement is triangular, it means that the distance it has to travel to hit the wall is greater, and thus, each second becomes This means that the duration of one second has to be directly proportional to the velocity of the falling map. We can compare this to the velocity of any object, which means that which means that time is indeed relative. Now, I said 
uh, earlier that your um, head is a little bit uh, older than your toes are. Um, but the thing is that the distance, that the difference of time, even between like the core of the Earth and Everest itself, well, maybe not the core, the surface of the Earth and Everest is like nanoseconds. It's barely noticeable. And in your head, it's even more minute. This entire phenomenon um, of this experiments with time, he called time dilation. And there you have it, guys. Now you know the special theory of relativity and um, and time dilation. I know you guys didn't really sign up for episodes about science. It's just something I'm very passionate about and I wanted to celebrate our 100 plays. So, um, again, thank you so much, guys, for that. And thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. As I said earlier, it means a lot that you take the time out of your day to come listen. And I hope that you learned something today. Um, yeah, guys, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, of course, go follow me. Go follow, actually, the podcast account. Um, at the Indian American Freshman 24, you can follow me uh my ID is Priyansh Curry 24 so you can do both. Uh, there'll be all the updates of, um, you know, when the episode is coming out, what's it about, and there might also be some bonus clips. So please go follow those accounts for that. Um, once again, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I guess I'll see you guys next week. Bye! Hey, hey, hey. <clears throat> Einstein made a theory about space. And it was about time, too. Get what? off Come the on. stage. That's... You suck. What the hell?